You know, over the pandemic, I saw that people had food goals. You know what I mean. Many people tried to master different things. Some tried sourdough. Some tried other types of foods that they could make at home. Oh, okay. I gave up on sourdough bread. I worked on pie crust, and I think I did pretty well. What do you think, husband Dave? Yes. And I also sought to master, I know this sounds silly, but stuffed eggs. My grandmother used to make wonderful stuffed eggs for our family smorgasbord at Christmas and at Easter. I never could get them right. They would either be too runny or overcooked and stick to the shells. And over this past year, I learned how to use my steam cooker to cook eggs perfectly. You place them in the rack inside the pot. You add a cup of water. That's important. You program for five minutes. You put the top on. And then after five minutes and after the steam is dissipated, you put them in a bath of cool water. And you get perfect eggs. If you forget the water, your eggs might crack or explode. Just saying. <laughs> but if you add the water, the steam is a perfectly reliable catalyst. Catalyst. What is a catalyst? A catalyst is an agent that causes or provokes change, significant change or action. The steam is a perfect catalyst. I guess I was thinking about eggs. Runny eggs always remind me of an egg experiment I did with my son when he was in elementary school. And this is way back, 15 plus years ago. It was the bouncy egg experiment. I found it in a book about transforming an egg into a bouncy egg. Allegedly, if you soak an egg for 72 hours in vinegar, the shell dissolves and it's bouncy. So we tried this. We put it in a jar with vinegar for 72 hours. And my son kept saying, is it ready now? Nope, not yet, not yet. He was really excited. Church, this experiment did not work. <laughs> there was raw egg everywhere. And it's kind of one of those family stories. I found out later that maybe I didn't use the right vinegar. It was a flavored vinegar. Or maybe my free-range organic eggs had too thick a skin, too thick a shell. For whatever reason, it was an unreliable catalyst or unreliable inputs. My desired transformation didn't happen. So yes, steam is a good catalyst for transforming eggs, and then you get something delicious to eat at the end. Vinegar doesn't work. I've been thinking about this as we come to the end of our sermon series on the return of these Jewish exiles. I've been pondering about change and transition and transformation. What's a catalyst for growth? What creates transformation? Pastor Dave last week talked about going from passive to active to transformation. It's been great to explore these Old Testament stories from Ezra and Nehemiah that may not have been very familiar to all of us. It's a good way to understand what is it like for us to come back from our pandemic exile. What is it like for us to live in a time of transition with incremental building and change? So today is our last Sunday in the series. So here's a question for you if you've been paying attention. 
What have they been building? So I'll give you the choices. It's either a temple, a wall, both, or something else. Who says a temple? Who says a wall? Who says both? Who says something else? Okay, people on Facebook, you need to add in two before I give you the answer because it's a trick question. It's all of the above. Yes, they've been building a wall that's been the project, but really what they're building is they're rebuilding the beloved community. They're rebuilding coming back together. They're coming back together as people of the word. Remember, we'd learned how those folks returning from exile first built the temple. But then they were stalled and they didn't complete their work. They didn't complete the wall. More importantly, they were stalled because they continued to struggle in the ways that they should be faithful to the ways of God, faithful to the one true God. It took the next wave of returning exiles to build the wall, a long 12 years of building. But throughout, God's desire for God's people was not measured in the stones rebuilt, but was measured in the degree of spiritual transformation. How were they forming as God's people? Spiritual renewal was more important than the building project. So the building project didn't quite transform the people of God. Building projects weren't alone a catalyst that is enough to transform them. But in our passage this morning, there's something different. Something has permeated into the hearts of the people. Did you hear that? So here's the good and reliable catalyst that's transformed them. What is it? It's the word of God. In our passage today, the community gathers together to read the Torah, the first five books of the Bible attributed to Moses. They are returning to an old practice. In Deuteronomy 31, Moses commanded the people every seventh year in the scheduled year of remission during the festival of booths, when all Israel comes together before the Lord your God, you should read the law before all Israel in their hearing. So this is what the word of God does for the people. It gave them a lens to define themselves. They are not defined by being victims of their exile, nor are they defined by a successful building project. They need a long lens to see that they are defined by being God's beloved. Those other things, those are important chapters, but those don't define who they are. They are God's people. God's word is living and powerful when they open their hearts. It's transformational makes them back into the people of the word. These stories that they read aloud, they define them, they remind them of who God is and who they are. They are God's beloved people. So what made the telling of this word so powerful to those gathered people? Well, first, it was shared in a community that knew each other. We heard that list of names. Thank you again, Sarah. That list of names, those readers of the word of God. Now, Sarah had to work hard on those names because they weren't familiar to them. 
But to those listening the first time, they were super familiar names. It was as if I said, on my right hand, I've got Jean, Colette, Jackson, Chris, Martha, Tammy, Tom, Christy, Che. On my left hand, I've got Sarah, I've got Abby, I've got Jack, I've got Carlo, I've got Tim, Bob. These would be easy names, and they would say, oh, yes, we're all together hearing the word of God. Familiar, known, respected members of the community, and not all of them were of the priestly class. Many of them were leaders across the whole church. It's significant that the word of God is spoken by these representatives of the community, not just the priests. The word of God belongs to all of them. And it's significant that this reading is out in the open, outside the temple, in front of the water gate, surveying the way that the wall had been built together, section by section, by different people who had to coordinate together. Everybody learns together. Everybody's connected. And everybody works together. And here they dive in to knowing God's word together, taking turns. And then what they did next, that's important too. So picking up our passage in Nehemiah where Sarah ended, listen to this, chapter 8, verse 6 through 10. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces on the ground. And also, Yeshua, Bani, Sheribia, Jamin, Akab, Shabbateah, Hoda, Messiah, Kelita, Azra, Yoseabad, Hanan, Belilia, the, Le, Le, the Levites, <laughs> who helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. So they read from the book, from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading and Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the word of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here's more names. See, Sarah, I, I took a portion there too. We see how there was this communal process of reading scripture together. The word of God belongs to all the people, and yet there are some particularly called to the task of helping interpret People like me and Pastor Jack here and, of course, Pastor Taylor and Pastor Dave. We studied to seek to know God's word better. So it wasn't enough just to listen, but they need to process the living word of God with others in small groups. It says that the Levites read from the word of God with interpretation. Interpretation sounds very analytical, doesn't it? It sounds kind of impersonal. But the original Hebrew had this idea of interpretation that digs a little deeper. The word means more like they interpret in a way that clarifies, sharpens, stings. The interpretation stings. 
It's personal to them, this interpretation. It's, it's likely that the people divided into groups to process and understand God's word. They're vulnerable to each other. They're vulnerable to God's word. The ears of the people are attentive to learning and applying God's word to their lives. They're overcome with emotion, and they're in it together. They understand how they haven't followed God. They also see how they've been harmed by the trauma of that exile. It's all a mesh together. But they're reminded that there's joy in the midst of the weeping. Remember I said there's the big scope of scripture. They understand that there's, they are God's beloved people. God has a plan for them. They're people of the word, and God has a plan for them. Remembering this, they're to celebrate being God's people, eating the fat, drinking the sweet wine, sharing God's goodness with others, not just being about themselves, but serving the world. So what does that mean for us in our time of rebuilding? Well, I guess we should look forward to eating the fat, drinking sweet wine of fellowship. <laughs> it sounds delicious. What it means for us is this is a time to rebuild our fellowship in a tangible way with the lens of our purpose as God's people. We're rebuilding what it means to be together after we've been apart. We've been focused this summer on fellowship and we're taking careful, thoughtful steps of how we reconnect together. We're investing in a hybrid experience to make sure that those who aren't ready to come back, who are transitioning back, remembering our kids aren't all vaccinated, right? We're not back to normal, whatever normal was. So we're focused on fellowship reconnecting, but we're not just rebuilding our community for the sake of rebuilding a group of people that get together. We aren't just creating hybrid ways to share worship just for the sake of being cool and relevant in a digital society. We aren't just focusing on these reconnecting experiences just for being a cool social club. I mean, seriously, if we wanted to be a cool social club, you would have cooler pastoral leaders than us. Did you see that video that we posted on Facebook? It's dorky. Or maybe it's a club of dorky people. I don't know. I digress. But here's the big picture. In all of our actions, we are seeking to reform, to reconnect, to be God's people. That's the aim. That's the purpose. Every summer gathering this summer is part of that movement to reform us so that the catalysts of God's word can flow through us. Jesus is at our center, the word made flesh. Applying God's truth in smaller and personal settings only happens when you know each other. Only when you know God's word and you know God can you know and be known? The word of God is a reliable catalyst for growth and transformation when it's shared and delivered by people across the community, across the church, not just held by the clergy. And when it's processed together actively and lovingly with people who know each other, who've made that investment. We know this time of pandemic has brought out hard things for so many of us. And we want to know what you're going through in this time of transition. We want to know if getting together socially is one good thing, but if there's an inner work, something we should know about, 
let us know, reach out, reach out to your deacon, reach out and ask for a Stephen minister, and always reach out to your pastors. Because we need to normalize as we come back that we're all needy and vulnerable. We need to let the word of God shine into us. We don't read God's word so that God will love us. We read God's word so that we can be reminded that God loves us, so we can feel God's love for us. And community helps that wedge into our hearts. Active learning together. This is ancient wisdom, but it fits with contemporary learning theory. Now, I'm no expert on learning modalities, but what I understand is that when learners own their process, when they're active in shaping their experience, this is what makes learning happen. This is what makes learning transformational. And I believe God has a way for each of us to become the person that we're meant to be in an active process, a reliable process, a transformational process. You know, there's a lot of things that are catalysts that form us. Sometimes we choose and embrace them. We join a faith community. We take on a new practice. We make changes to be more emotionally healthy and whole. We take on reading the Bible. We take a new direction with our work or our studies, or we welcome a new member to our family. And then there are painful catalysts that we don't choose, like a pandemic, like a loss, like a betrayal or a health crisis. But we can choose the one reliable catalyst. What is this church? What is the one reliable catalyst? God's word. Why don't you say it with me? God's word. God's word in the beloved community. Active learning with other people. Active learning about the Bible helps us know who God is and who we are and who we are becoming. We'll have many opportunities to connect and learn as we move into our next steps of reopening, as we plan for the next season. Set your intention to make time for God's word. It's important. And give us feedback about what you might want to learn in God's word in the season ahead as we move towards the fall because this is our rebuilding project to become the people that God's word would transform us to become. It's everybody's work together to live in God's word. And here's the truth. We've been through a collective challenging time. As, as Pastor Taylor said, we've all been in the storm, but we've been in different boats. But it has been a collective experience, and it's affected us different ways. And we may be past the crisis, but this is what I know. Other crises will come. Other things will challenge us. Someday the foundation of our lives for each of us will falter. For each of us it'll be challenged. God's word is the reliable catalyst to prepare us, to, to cook us like those eggs. And it's an inside work, right? It's not legally, legalistically imposed on you by this church. It's an act of grace and invitation. You know, you can't tell. So I have some eggs here. You can't tell which one's raw and which one's been transformed. And you know, I can't tell either without my reading glasses. because. <laughs> Which one? On my right? On my left? Sheep and goats? I, I don't know. <laughs> Sheep and goats? You can't tell which has been transformed. Okay, you want me to find out, don't you? 
really can't see my marks anymore. <laughs> Is it this one? Oh, no. It's not that one. It's this one, right? Process of elimination. Because other things will challenge us. Other things will crack our egg. Other things will hurt our shell. It's an inside work as we seek God's catalyst of God's word. We seek to be transformed together. And my prayer for us is in this season of fellowship and reconnection this summer, it will be a preparation for our fall as we invest in God's word, as we seek to know and be known that God will use us, pour into us, that we might pour out to the world, sharing that good fat and sweet wine. You remember that passage says that we, it is to be given to those who haven't come to the feast. That's our purpose. That's who we are. And may we bless the Lord, and may all the people say, Amen, Amen. amen.